0: Hi there, my name is Marcus. I'm an alcoholic. Marcus. Really glad to be here tonight and uh, I'm glad you guys are here. And Jimmy, thank you. Uh, thanks for asking me to, I don't know, lead up whatever it is, the, the ten minutes before you. So I can't wait to hear you. And Mario, thanks for the introduction. And uh, welcome to the new guys. Uh, welcome and congratulations to the chip takers, the visitor. Where'd Soch go? Soch, it's awesome seeing you. Uh, There you are back there. Congratulations, and Bill, super cool to see you, and and, and you've been here, and you've been a great example for me, and I can't thank you enough for being here and um, being that example. We've shared a lot of the similar stuff, and um, my sobriety date is September fifteenth, two 2003, and um, I was first introduced to AA in... uh, well, actually, very early in 2000, um, what happened was, I, I grew up in Laguna Beach, um, and ever since I was little, I always felt uncomfortable, and uh, the thought of getting in front of you guys to talk scared the crap out of me, and I wouldn't, wouldn't imagine being able to get up here and be okay doing this, and, uh, and who knows if I am or not, but AA has taught me to be okay regardless of what comes out of my mouth, you know, and um, um, for me... You know, I can look now at, you know, the first time I can recognize uh, alcohol doing for me what I couldn't do for myself was in high school. And my parents lived across, my mom lived across the street from the high school. And we were supposed to read a book and then come up and give an oral um, presentation on, on the book. And the book was To Kill a Mockingbird. And, uh, it was time for me to give that report and I hadn't read the book and there was a girl in front of me talking in front of the class and it scared the crap out of me and my insides were going crazy and our house was right across the street so I excused myself to go to the bathroom and I ran across the street. We had a refrigerator in the garage and we had beer in that refrigerator and I think I was a sophomore in high school, maybe junior, and uh, I remember just downing two Coors Lights and coming back and and bullshitting my way through that that book report, you know, and I didn't know that, I didn't connect that at the time, but after being an AA, I was able to kind of reflect back and go, that's when I can first pinpoint alcohol doing for me what I couldn't do for myself, and, uh, you know, Fast forward a little bit, um, maybe the next year as a junior, started smoking a lot of pot and Can I talk about drugs? I don't know. Uh, I don't know (laughs) where... Too late? Okay. Because that's a big part of my story, I think. So uh, that'll probably come out a few times, I'm sure. Um, But uh, I started smoking pot and and, and going to school. And and getting weed was easier than getting alcohol for the most part. So I did that pretty comfortably for a long time. And uh, by the time I was a senior, I was smoking pot every day. Before school, I'd meet my two buddies and we'd get high and go to typing class. And I think I could type a lot better when I was smoking weed. And... uh, <laughs> anyway, so I did that. On the outside, I always had this need to make you think I was okay. And so I always had to look good. I always had to get good grades. I had a job. You know, I was the Eddie Haskell of my friends group, meaning that, uh, you know, the parents loved Marcus. They thought he was the greatest kid. But when nobody was looking, I was always getting in trouble, you know, and, and, and um, you know, and I still do that today, probably, you know, <laughs> being honest with you, um, uh, I still want everybody to think i 'm okay, you know even when i 'm hurting i 'll tell you i 'm okay and uh so, I got into college. Again, I had good grades. I had a job. I got into college. I did all the things you're supposed to do. And in college, I didn't know anybody, so I started off pretty good. I did have a fake ID when I was 17, so I could drink sort of legally. But I thought I had removed myself. I had removed myself from the drug situation. But it didn't take me long. And before I knew it, I was smoking weed again just as much as I was in high school in Laguna. Um, I did that, and I promised myself if this continues, when I'm a sophomore, I'll, I'll, I'll get some help. You know, I didn't know anybody in AA. I didn't know anybody uh, who was in recovery, who had a big problem. There was a neighbor of ours that I knew was an alcoholic. And she locked herself in the house for weeks at a time. And I knew that that was what alcoholics did. Um, but I didn't have that experience. And uh, I didn't want to open my mouth. But I knew when I was a sophomore in college, I think I knew I had a problem. And I couldn't stop this thing. And I kept going, God dang it. What am I gonna do? And I, I just kept charging for it and I kept like setting these goals that if I did so much, um, then I would admit to myself that I had a problem. And, and it, it, you know, it was a sophomore year, I couldn't stop. Junior year, same thing. And then my graduation night, all night party, last night of college, You know, I've been dealing cocaine at this point, I've been doing smoking weed all the time, drinking all the time, and I know I'm about to enter the adult world and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I have no idea who I am and I feel like a fraud. And I did that and I got out of college. Um, I had my first day of work. I was driving to work at about 6 in the morning. I had a 24-ounce beer between my legs and I was smoking a joint going to my first job. and. And I'm like, oh my God, you just went to college, you just did all this stuff, what the? F- what happened, you know, and uh, this isn't the way it was supposed to be, but it, it was, and I couldn't stop, and um, I managed to meet a woman who I uh, had convinced to marry me, so, you know, five years after college, I think we had gotten married. And again, she had she, she had no idea w- the extent of what I was doing. You know, she knew I smoked a little bit of weed. She knew I drank a little bit, which was socially acceptable. Um, but she had no idea the amount of cocaine I was doing. And I had a good buddy who provided a lot of that for me. And um, she was super naive and, and and didn't know that. But I did that for for quite a while. And I knew I couldn't I couldn't stop. And I knew at some point it was going to hit a wall. And. Uh, five years into our marriage it was time to have kids basically and and she said don't you think you ought to slow down on what you're doing and smoking weed it's time to be an adult and and I said sure you know yeah I agree with you it's time to be responsible but inside I knew I was a fraud you know I knew I wasn't living up to um, what my outside had shown you know I knew I was you know, inside, I'd go to bed at night, and I'd just freaking hate myself, because I knew, I knew the truth, you know? And I was always afraid that at some point, somebody was going to find out the truth. My parents wouldn't know who I was. My sister, my sister had a clue, because she knew what I was up to. But um, anyway, we had this last, we had this last trip that we were going to do before we had our first baby. And my wife was pregnant. She was, I think, six months pregnant with our daughter, and... um, we we're going on a cruise and uh, she said are you bringing you not bringing anything on this cruise are you and I said no absolutely not I wouldn't do that and then I, everything I did was contingent upon where I can get what I, what kind of drugs I can get how they can be delivered whether or not I can drink so I couldn't imagine going away without having something there for me um, and so I stocked up it was a seven-day cruise I stocked up got on the cruise we had a dinner that night and the dinner was kind of a community dinner where they group you with other families and um, and so we had this big opportunity to interact and socialize but I like I like to get high before I eat. And, uh, I think it makes me enjoy my food a little bit more. (laughs) And so, so I go downstairs to our little tiny room. There's not very many hiding spaces in these little cruise rooms. And, uh, and, and I, and I get high and I come up to the, um, the table and I notice my wife's not there. And again, she's like six months pregnant. She's, you know, and, uh, And she comes up about five minutes later. I know something's up. I know I'm in trouble. I know she's on to me. And she dumps out everything that I had brought on the cruise ship. And again, it was the first night of this cruise. And she dropped a couple of bags of weed, a couple of pipes, a couple of bindles of cocaine. I'm talking about drugs again, sorry. <laughs> I apologize if that's offensive to anybody, but uh, that was my story and that's what happened. And, and it went out on the table and these families who we had just met for dinner before, <laughs> see all this stuff, everything was out of the bag at that point. And, uh, and my only thought at that moment was, how am I going to get that stuff? Like that's on the table. <laughs> And it wasn't that I was busted. I knew that was that was already out of the bag. But I knew I'm like shit. We got a seven-day cruise. There's, I can't imagine not having this stuff. And uh, it was a really miserable cruise. Um, and um, and it was a great. Uh, well, anyway. It, it, That was when it was exposed that I needed help. You know, my mom was there. Uh, Obviously my wife, my sister, some other family friends were there and it was decided that Marcus needed to go to rehab. So, but we needed to have this baby first. So my wife, again, being pregnant, we had about two months to go for the birth of the baby. Did that and then um, the morning of her birth, I'm going to Hug Hospital. Another 24 ouncer between my legs, smoking weed, going to have the birth of my daughter. And uh, that was the way I was going to have one of the most memorable days of my life. Um, and sure enough, it took a while. I was in the parking garage when she was bir- having my daughter. And, uh, and then it, it, it happened. And then two weeks later, I was in rehab in, in San Diego. Um, and I played the game. And on the outside, I wanted everybody, again, to look, uh, think that I was doing well. So I said all the right things. I did all the right things in treatment. We had family week, week three. Everybody left. Everybody was happy. I had my little daughter watching her mobile. as She's going through family therapy week. And she's playing with the thing. And it's just beautiful. And, uh, and I feel like I've snowed everybody. And I'm going to be able to get away with this again. One minute. Shit. Okay shoot. Um, So anyway, uh, an hour and a half after getting out of treatment, I met my drug dealer up here in Laguna and went in circles and uh, told my wife I was going to an AA meeting and drove around and got high for six hours and came back and told her what a great meeting it was and coffee afterwards and all that. And quite frankly, this meeting, I understand, used to be the YMCA meeting. And I had told my wife many times that I was going to this meeting. And uh, I had never been to this meeting until tonight. You know, <laughs> and, I, and I'm 16 years sober. So uh, I, I, uh, it's, it's crazy. But what happened for me was I just couldn't see the powerlessness. I had all the evidence of the unmanageability going on in my life. I was scared to find out who I was. And whenever they read in Chapter 5 about constitutionally incapable of being honest, that was me. And every time it would hit, I'd be like... Uh, there's no way I'm going to tell the truth there's no way I'm telling the truth you know I'm going down with the ship on this one but maybe I can get some sobriety and it just it just wouldn't line up and every time I would try it I would go out and I'd get in trouble and I'd go out and I'd get in trouble and uh, you know I had bottles of pee hidden everywhere I was because I was getting drug tested everywhere I went um, my wife found a couple of bottles of pee on a couple of occasions which was kind of a difficult one to explain um, <laughs> Alcohol is one thing when you find a bottle of alcohol, but the bottle of pee is like, what the... You know? So, anyway, I just wasn't willing to admit my powerlessness over this thing, and at one point, I had signed a contract that I wouldn't put my kids in harm's way. Uh, I've now had a second daughter, and... Um, I signed a contract, I dropped my wife off at the airport and I'm at an intersection on my way back saying I wouldn't put the kids in harm's way and they're in the back seat of the car and I'm in the rearview mirror looking at my kids and I'm at the intersection of where I turn left I go to the drug dealer or I go straight and I go home and uh, I just turned the rearview mirror away I didn't want to look at the kids and I turned left and that was the first time that I knew this thing had me. Like I knew but that was my first real Evidence for me that was powerless, you know and and, and that 's where I went from there and i didn't i didn 't get sober right then. I had to finish what I had gotten and uh, um, but I finally wrapped up the weekend and called the guy who was my original sponsor and said john i 'm willing to do whatever it takes to do this thing and, and and I finally gave up and I started telling you guys the truth and I told um, him what I was doing and at this point I graduated to smoke and crack which you know was something that I w- hadn't done before I got to AA um, but I learned that here and and I loved it and uh, <laughs> so that that just kept going and 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 uh, you know I have so many stories you know one of the stories I shared one time when I was taking a birthday was this uh, my daughter was two years old and she was getting potty trained and um And I was crawling around on my hands and knees trying to get her to potty train into this dish because I was going to get drug tested. And I needed her, I needed my daughter's pee to pass that drug test for me. And, uh... How pathetic is that? You know, it is so unbelievable. I can't imagine that I'm, I, I did that, you know, and, and I, I was never going to tell anybody about that, but one time I was taking a birthday and I, I shared that, and a guy came up at the end of the meeting and said, Marcus, I was doing that two weeks ago, and uh, with his daughter, and a year later he called me when he was celebrating a birthday, and... I got that message about no matter how far down the scale we have gone, you know, our experience will always, can always benefit others or whatever that is. And, uh, you know, and I didn't know that. And that was something that I wasn't going to tell anybody about. And, and, and now my daughters are 18 and 19. They're both in college. Um, my second daughter was, I was also in the parking garage doing the same exact thing, only I was doing cocaine that time. And, uh, and they're at college and they come back on Wednesday and we get to be a family and I... I, I uh, that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. We had a, a, a son five years later into sobriety so I got to experience that. And I never thought I'd forgive myself for what I did with, uh, with my daughters. And, and you guys and the steps showed me how to forgive myself and how to be an example and how to show that those kinds of things can help other people too. Because there's other people I learned are going through the same exact thing that I was. And I wasn't able to talk to anybody about it. And now I'm uh, 16 years sober. AA has given me an unbelievable life. Way beyond what I ever would have imagined it being. And with that, it's a lot of challenges, and and I don't have the crux, uh, the crutches or whatever it is that, you know, sometimes it's like, I need relief, I need some help, you know, and my relief is in AA, or I talk to guys about um, what I'm going through, and the things that I would never talk to anybody about, um, I'm able to talk to and get some help and some guidance, and... uh, You guys, I wish I had more time to talk, but uh, I know I'm I'm past my time. Is that right, Kent? Yes, you are. Okay, sorry. (laughs) All right, you guys, that's it. You guys got a lot to look forward to with Jimmy in a little bit. So thank you so much.